welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Tonight, I have with me an Anthony Award-winning author who also was a finalist for Derringer and McCavity and a whole bunch of other awards. Um, Matt Coyle is um, the author of the Rip Cahill series. His new book, Lost Tomorrows, is number six in the series and has just been released. Last night, he had a sellout crowd in um, one of the bookstores in San Diego where he lives. He is also my colleague in the network. He hosts Crime Corner with Matt Coyle. I'm thrilled to have him back in my studio. Welcome back, Matt. Well, thanks for having me, Pam. It's nice to be back on the mothership. Thank you. You know, beamed you right up, didn't I? Um, I am I'm I am thrilled for all the good coverage you're getting on this book. Um, this really is a turning point in Rick Cahill's um, life story, isn't it? Yeah, this is uh, as I was telling the crowd at Warwick's last night. This is the book I knew I had to write when I start when I realized while I was writing the first book yesterday's Echo. When I realized halfway through I was writing a series. I knew that I was eventually going to have to tell the story about Colleen, who the reader never meets live because she's already dead before the first book starts. But her death is the impetus for Rick's trajectory trajectory, and his um, need for redemption and his battle with guilt and his his manic need to find the truth. So I I knew at some point I'd have to address it. Um, I didn't really – if you have – I'll give you – I'm not trying to make it short – if you, it, um, I didn't want to write it now. I didn't want to write the story yet. I'd just written Blood Truth, which is two books ago, which was the story about his father, and that was right. kind of an emotional book. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't really ready to write this book. And uh, you know, I'm under contract, and the clock is ticking. And I'd gone through all my what ifs, and I, the only thing I could come up with is what if Rick goes back to Santa Barbara and finds out the truth about his wife? And I'm, I think, well, sh- well, hell, I've got, I got to write the book. I don't really want to, but once I started uh, writing it. I realized not only did I have to write it, I really wanted to write it. I needed to write it. It was a book that I was meant to write. And um, I was really, really happy that I, I chose this time, or this time actually chose me to write the book, but right, um, right. happy with the way it turned out. You know, it occurs to me that in every single one of your books um, and every time we've spoken, um, there is always, <clears throat> pardon me, part of Rick Cahill who is, so full of turmoil and so full of self-loathing and he's just so manic about everything and but there's always a change in him personally from book to book which doesn't always happen when you're following a series character i would imagine that writing lost tomorrows was emotional for you as well because this man has lived with you since 2013 so he's he's been with you for a long time you know he's actually it took me 10 years to get published he's actually been with me for 17 years i've been writing this character for 17 years so yeah you're exactly right um and like i said you know i was just trying to write a book to to to, you know write a good book and fulfill my contract but you're right it's uh, you know as soon as i was 10 pages in i realized it was an emotional book it was emotional for me in many ways, clearly emotional for Rick. Um, aside from discovering what happened to his wife, there's a lot of other things going on, a lot of other things going on. And right. it's, um, it's a dark, it's the darkest book I've written in terms of internal uh, Rick stuff. Um, and so I, it was, once I got going, it was really fun to write. 
but I, I didn't know if I honestly didn't know um, if if critics were going to like it. If, if people knew too much to me were going to like it, because to really understand, I felt to really understand Rick's darkness in this book and some of the decisions he makes, I thought you would have to follow him from the beginning to, to understand his his descent. But um, honestly, uh, some of the reviews I've gotten, some of the, the book review crews who'd never read me before got it. So um, somehow yeah. it worked out for me. Um, so I'm yeah. really happy with that. But uh, but I, I realized I, I, I decided I have to tell the book the way I have to tell it. If, if I turn off new readers, I'm, I'm sorry about it, but I'm going to write this book the way it needs to be written. And it turned out okay. I think it turned out great. Um, it is your best title, I think. You told we talked before mm-hmm. about how you title mm-hmm. your books, and you right. said you always struggle with that. But when yeah. I saw the cover reveal on this and got the the uh, galley from your publisher, I was thrilled at the way that this the title and the way it looks. It is really truly a work of art. It's a masterpiece. And so, which begs oh, the you. question. Since I know you're not giving up on Rick because you've got a whole lot more stories to tell about him, this is such a substantial shift for him personally. Will we see a lighter Rick when book seven comes out? I hate to do this, but I'm not going to talk at all about the next book. <laughs> I apologize. Okay. I think That's fine. I, 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 well, I, I, I probably should mention to you beforehand, but – I think for, for readers' benefit, are going to read this book. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about it, but um, I will go back to the um, the title thing, and because you've heard me moan about titles, yeah. This one actually came. This one came to me pretty early. This one came to me so early that it worried me because I was used to <laughs> you know, struggling to with go titles. the entire book before. Yes. Yeah, but it, you're right. It, 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 as they all do, it came organically from the book, and it. Um, yeah, I do think it's a good title. It definitely, I yeah, think it definitely great. works. Yeah, it's great. You know, again, because yeah, I does. mean, this two-word title thing, it's it's hard to come up with them, but um, this one works. It does. It does, and considering that this is his personal story, I mean, you have a lot of moving parts in your books. That's all there is to it. You you have a lot of things going on, but but you you also. Um, told his story instead of just bits and pieces of it so I think that's really important you know that's really important um now we never met Krista his his dead wife but but you have adequately Krista's actually is Chris's actually, I'm sorry, Chris's actually his dead partner. Colleen's partner. his dead wife. Oh, okay. There's a lot of dead people. Colleen. Yeah, yeah. You're right. There are no, around him. Right. I beg your pardon. So, so you, you really, ne- we never have discussed Colleen because, but you give little hints along the way throughout the, throughout the different books. Um, what can you tell us about his wife that we're not going to read in the book? Well, um, that. That they were, that they were sort of kindred spirits, and the, the, when they when they met, they immediately felt it. Although she was dating somebody else, and he was actually going to school in uh, UCLA, she was in Santa Barbara. They met during um, like during a break at a party down in UCLA, where she had friends down there. She was going with somebody else at the time, and but they just you know sometimes that happens, like kind of, things kind of click, and yep. uh, he ended up transferring. He ended up transferring. Uh, I think he. 
the next year up to UC Santa Barbara after he got injured playing football. And uh, had to win her. Had to win her from the guy she was dating at the time. But I, I think she always knew that um, that they were going to be together. But, uh, you know, he became a cop. And some some guys don't handle that well for a while. Right. They get right. a little they get a little big behind the badge. My brother-in-law was a cop for 33 years. Back when he was young, they used to call it the uh, John Wayne syndrome. They probably don't anymore. Um, you know, just kind of a a little egotistical and little um, I don't like sure, to big man, lose a personality. Big man on big man on campus exactly. type thing, and I've got all the power, exactly. and look how important I am. Until they figure out they're just a cog in the wheel, and a very right. very small cog in a very big wheel. Right. Um, so, you know, you kick us off in the first book where Rick is already a widower. What was he like before? Well, um, he was not nearly as dark. He was, uh, I'm sure. uh, you know, he, he had the he had the cloud of his father's situation over. But he was a much lighter person. He was uh, a much um, more um, fun going person. I mean, not you know terribly fun going, but not the life of the party. But much more fun going and uh, easy going as well. But uh, once he lost his wife, was like I said, he got in this negative trajectory, and and plus he felt responsible in some ways for her death. And so he, his whole life since then has been a quest for redemption and the truth. And um, yeah. I think if you were looking from without, if someone was looking from without and they read all the books, they'd go, hey, Rick, you got redemption. You're okay, buddy. But he, he probably, up until this book perhaps, never felt that way, never felt he was redeemed. Right, right. But he has answers now, and so that's really important, I think, for for part of his healing Although we'll see what happens. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but but there's a catharsis in knowing some right. of the truth. Absolutely. So that's important. I want Absolutely. to veer away from, from your book right now because um, you are exceptionally active in your literary community in San Diego. I noticed that you are always promoting other authors, that you go to book events like they're going out of style. Um, you you have so many writer friends, but also you have a lot of reader friends too. Is that part of the joy of being a published author or do you feel an obligation to do that? No, I think it, it, you really, I think you nailed it with, I think joy, you know, gosh, I need to, I don't think about joy enough, but I really, when I go to events like last night, I do feel joy and you're exactly right. It, it is joy because people, I make stuff up <laughs> and people want to read it. And they tell me that they like it. You know, some don't like it, but I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty cool thing. It's something I wanted to do my whole life. I had to get off my ass and finally do it. Um, it took me a long right. time, and then it took me a long time to get published, and it took me a long time to get worthy of being published. But yeah, there is joy to it, and um, I feel so lucky to have people that um, want to read my stuff, and and I'm I'm very um, thankful for them. And regarding other authors. This, this, and you know this, the mystery community is an unbelievable big family that people help each it other. Is. People help me along the way. And there is there is a responsibility, maybe not an obligation, but there's responsibility because you've been helped to try to do the same. But I enjoy trying to help other people and other people helping me. Right. So, um, yeah, and then you make – you know, I don't have much of a social life. So when I go to conferences and I talk to other writers, um, that's my social life. So 
um, from them, from from that, but uh, you know, friendships um, bud, and um, you know, I don't necessarily, um, you know, I try to uh, uh, promote other writers that I really like, um, and I've read their work. Sometimes maybe I haven't, but um, I know them. Sometimes I maybe haven't read the work. Doesn't mean I don't like it, but but I will promote it as well. Because I know the author, sure. and I, I, you know, I respect them, and I'm sure they're not writing garbage. But um, yeah, so I mean, people do the same for me. So um, it's just kind of the way it is, and I, I enjoy doing it. It's it's symbiotic, isn't it? You you go to Absolutely. other authors' book signings, and in return, they go to yours. You are trying to be supportive. Um, you have some heavy hitters that blurb this book, and um, one of them is Michael Connolly whom um, you and I had the chance to interview in person, and I know you also <laughs> know him, when we are at BoucherCon. Um, I am reminded of the night fire and the changes in Bosch when I read this book. So it, there, I think while Bosch didn't go through, well, he did go through a similar thing, but he has a different personality. And, um, you know, the night fire you know, I, was cha- I, is, is life-changing no for spoilers. him. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So, so it's life. It's a life-changing book, and as you know, he's not going to be writing Bosch for a while. So that will tell you something. He's going back to another character. Um, You also got a great blurb from Robert Crace, who is one of my most favorite writers. His books are totally different than yours. And um, yeah. I think his his characters are steady and reliable, but your character, I never yeah. know where he's going to go. I never know where he's going to go. So that's something. And then, of course, Reed, who, you know, is is just a wild ride on a roller coaster at night. His books are, are crazy, crazy. And Hallie, who is fantastic. You know, you... You've really yeah. gathered a lot of good people around you, and I think that that's um, pretty special. That makes you pretty special. You are in the entertainment oh, business, you. Um, Matt. You know, you mm-hmm. are right. writing to entertain others, but does it feel like entertainment when you're writing? No, but I'm, it's so perceptive of you to say that because I think some people sometimes forget that. It really is entertainment business. It's all um, entertainment. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be ostentatious, but you definitely have to entertain your readers. Um, when I'm writing it, no, it doesn't feel like entertainment. It feels like work, <laughs> and it feels like every book. It feels like I don't know how it's ever published. I'm a hack. I'm a, I'm a fraud. <laughs> I don't know how to write anymore. This thing sucks. I, I'm ashamed to bring these pages to my writers group, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then I'll read the first draft, and I go, Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I feel, like a, I feel like a fraud for about at least a third of the book when I'm writing it. When you first started writing your first book, um, I mean, I, you know, I remember interviewing you when your first book came out. It's amazing that we've Me known too. each other that long. Um, but um, how has your writing changed? You know, I want to say, I, I remember the first interview we did, just as a side yeah. note. You may have to remind me of the question because I get old and forget things. I was pacing <laughs> the whole time. I was so uh, nervous, and I was pacing the whole time you were interviewing me. Uh, anyway. Um, That's so funny. Writing, I'll tell you. 
I think I'm pretty nice. I'm a pretty nice interviewer. You're a great interviewer. You're a nice interviewer. You could not, you could have not, could not have made me feel more at home. But I'd never done anything like this before. Oh, um, oh okay. You know, now I now I do now I do a podcast live where I screw things up all the time and I don't even care about it. I mean, that's just the way right. things are. Because um, that's the way it is. Exactly. Right. You can't you can't worry about those things. But my, no. how's my writing changed? That's a that's a good question. He, he, I I actually think uh, I should be so much better at this. Actually, my writing has gotten messier. It's gotten my, the whole process, which I've talked about before, has gotten more messier. And so by that, we'll call it organic. But in but the first drafts have gotten better. See, I don't outline. So a first draft for me is kind of like an outline. And I will often write a whole chapter that I know I will not keep in the book, but I'm writing it to get to where I need to go. And then I'll... I'll cut it later, um, but but my first drafts have definitely gotten better. You know, I I was able to that first book. I wasn't. It took me ten years to get published, so I was just you know revising, revising, revising. But uh, thank God that with my messy process, thank God my first drafts have gotten better because I would never. It would take me years to finish a book. So um, I mean, it's just a little more. You know, you just I think. I mean, I can never teach a class. So anytime someone asks me to do something at a conference, I'm I'm always. Uh, I always try to find something where I'm not actually teaching because I don't really feel I can teach with what I do. And I don't, I don't really feel that I can explain what I do. I mean, I can explain what I do, but I can't explain what you should do. Um, so, and it's getting worse, like I said, but I have this confidence that I've done it now six, six times before that right. I can make it work in the end. But um, the one thing definitely has gotten, so obviously I am becoming a better writer because my first drafts are getting better. But it feels like, as I said earlier, it feels like I don't even – I don't have a routine. I mean, I have hours that I write every day, but I don't know how to do this anymore. This is garbage, but I am <laughs> moving forward. And then, and then yeah. when I read it, I go, oh, it's not bad. Yeah. When you so were kids, writing – Kids out there, don't do what I do. <laughs> well, it isn't a matter that everybody has to find their own way, and I know that's how you you're are. Right. But, um, right. but when you're writing – are, are you don't handwrite? You go. You are on your on your computer, correct? Right, correct. Um, do you write straight through, or do you actually label chapters? No, I, I generally write uh, chronologically. I generally go straight through. There will be mm-hmm. t- speaking of handwriting, um, and you know Chuck Box, CJ Box, very right. well. He writes his first drafts. He writes his first draft on legal pad. That's crazy. Yeah. Neil Gaiman do that. does that too, anyway. and he writes. Neil Gaiman does the same thing, and he takes a legal size pad, not a letter size, and he writes them um, in a different color ink every day. Oh, so that makes um, sense. That, that makes. He, he he sees his how much he's work he's done, you know. So so I, yeah. like I say, everybody's different. Um, you you don't outline copious no. amounts of stuff. You you pretty much no, know no, where no, you're no. going while you're writing. Okay, you know some well, writers. Do, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, what I do is um, I don't I don't outline. I have a I have a um, an, I have a inciting incident and I have an ending and I try to figure out how to get there. But what I do do is I'm going along. Probably when I'm getting about two thirds of the way through, is I make a list mm-hmm. of things that I know I have to put in the story, and then I will check them off as I go along. And and obviously other things will happen and they'll change, but. There is that bit of some organization I have, but no, I don't outline. I tried to do it once, and it, for me, it just didn't work. Yeah, um, there are some writers who 
to whom I've spoken who said that they write like a 200-page outline. And I'm thinking, well, crap, that's like half a book. You know, they spend a year outlining and researching and everything. And to me, I mean, if the books are fantastic. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just in my mind, if I had to outline all of my show descriptions, I might as well just quit. I I couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't do it. I mean, most everything you and I do as, as talk show host is very organic anyway. Um, And, you know, so when someone says to me, can you send me a list of questions? I say, okay, how's the weather? What's I shooting where? I don't know. I mean, how how do you know those things? You're, you're right. Organic works for me too. And, um, well, you, you, you are really good at it. Now I prepare more than you might think for shows for, but I, but, but I rarely follow the script all the way through because the, the uh, interviewee will say something interesting that sparks my interest and I'll go another way. But uh, right. regarding you, – you're exactly right. There is no – the one thing I have learned in 17 years of writing or 18 now is there is no right way to do it. I once heard Thomas Perry, obviously a great writer and uh, Edgar Award-winning author and a real nice guy. I saw, heard him at a lunch one time say, I don't outline. He says, how, how would I know what really works for the story – a year before I finished the story. And so, right. Yeah. But that's like, a, but that's, and, and you got Robert Crace who outlines crazily and it yeah. works, obviously it works very well for him. It works pretty damn well for right. Bob Crace. It sure does. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, to me, I think that um, I kind of look at it like a map you're using when you're going on yeah. a car trip. And so you have an idea of where you're going. You know, I know I'm going from Miami to Atlanta or where I live in Fort Myers to Atlanta. And so I'm driving, but I don't want to be so beholden to the direct route that I can't get on an off ramp and go investigate other things and sightsee along the way. So, um, uh, you know, I think that's kind of a happy medium for a lot of people. Um, you mentioned, though, I want to go back to something you said. You know the beginning and you know the end. Do you write the ending while you have it, or do you just write in order? No, I write, I write in order, and uh, I completely agree. You're inside my head. I completely agree with your map um, <laughs> yeah. metaphor um, because there is I, – I don't – there's a here. I'm here. I need to get there, but I'm not sure I'm going to get there. Um no, I don't write the ending. One thing I will do, you know, I said I write chronologically, but I do at times, I'll get stuck. I mean, I get stuck like anybody else is going to get stuck, maybe worse mm-hmm. than most. And so I want to have a productive day, so I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i write a chapter ahead. I'll write something, even though I don't outline. I, the, Obviously, the further I go in the story, I do know, well, I need, I'm going to need to write this at some point. So I'll write something ahead that I know I'm going to need to write, and then eventually I'll go back to where I was stuck. So I don't like to have an unproductive day. I mean, sometimes if I sit there and stare at the monitor for long enough, like an hour and a half, it will come to me. But, um, you know, beyond that, but you've well, waste, I better write something. You've wasted an hour and a half, so you'd rather not waste right. that time and do other things. Um, when, you know, you have reappearing characters throughout a series, um, how do you keep track of your ancillary characters that are going to reappear in another story? Well, here's what smart smart writers do, Pam, is they <laughs> they make what you call a Bible. Right, a Bible a character is Bible. You put, you put all those right, you put all those stats in there, and this writer has told himself after he finishes every book, 
I'm going to write that damn Bible. And uh, seven books in, I just turned in number seven. I don't have a Bible. So, so often what I have to do, and my memory, I'm getting old. My memory is not where it should be. So what I often have to do is, of course, I have, you know, I have all of my um, works on everything I've turned in. I have it on Word, you know, saving uh-huh. files from old books. So I may have to go into an old book, punch in somebody's name, and do a global search and find out what the, you know, where they were born, something like that. I don't really get into where people were born too much, but um, yeah, I have to, I have to go back in sometimes, like old books, and what did he say here, or what did he do here? See, that's the other thing um, when you write kind of open-ended like I do, is you. I, this happens to me a lot. Is where, gosh, I wish I wouldn't have had Rick. That one sentence I put in the first book, I wish I hadn't written that because what I'm trying to do now for Rick is much more difficult. But in actuality, it always works out that having to overcome that obstacle I put in the first book usually makes me find something more interesting. Um, so that's good. But, no, the whole Bible thing, this is just I, I'm, I'm, I am a bad boy when it comes to that, something I should have you done know, a long time ago. I am a, a voracious reader, as you well know, and um, I was reading a book. I was reading a book the other night, um, and I cannot stress how important editing is because your oh, readers God. are going to know when you make a mistake. When you when you oh, say God. he's got green eyes and got blue eyes, so I'm reading this book and the hero in the story is starts off being. Um, I think he's a football player or something. He's six foot five. And um, then about five, five chapters later, he shrunk to six foot three. And he went from, well, this is from a young writer. And it's, I actually thought maybe I read that wrong because I read so fast and I, I scrolled back in my Kindle and there it was. Yes, indeed. So I highlighted that stuff, and when I, I sent a note to the author, and I said, listen, you know, I was really enjoying your story, but this little speed bump pulled me right out of it. And now that I'm thinking about the, the quarter of the third of the book that I read, there were a lot of those, but that one was just so blatant and obvious. So, um, you know, like yeah. words like, uh, um, so under the understanding that we had, you know, stuff like that that's real clumsy, and I'm thinking, oh please, get a, at least get a line editor. <laughs> you know? So, but my point is, readers remember everything if they have read yeah, your book. Yeah, from beginning to the most current one, they're gonna know if you've made a mistake and changed someone's eye color or their height or the way they talk. You know, so so I just wanted you to know that that I'm glad you're consistent in all your books. You you are very consistent, well, that's for sure. <laughs> well, I will I will I will tell you and your listeners a secret. I will confess to this. In my first book, no, is it my first book? Hmm. No, my second. In a book, I will say it. In a book, uh-huh. I introduced a character with a name, and later in the book, that name was spelled differently. The last name is spelled differently. <laughs> it's in there. I've it's seen... still in there. And so uh, for my next book, when this character was in there, I had to go back in the last book oh, and no. see how many times I'd spelled it one way. And this, I went with the majority of the way I was spelled it. Since that time, this character's name has been consistent. Yeah. So uh, you, you, you talk about uh, 
mistakes. I'm out there. Yeah. It's out there, baby. Well, and it happens a lot. Somebody's name will change or, uh, you know, and I'll say, well, who the hell is this? I don't remember reading this right. character, you know. It's crazy. Right. Um, you were on book tour because your book was just released. Where are you going next? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for asking. Friday I'll be at uh, Book Passage in Corte Madera. And then uh, that's uh, 7 o'clock, I think. And then then I fly back Saturday morning to San Diego and drive up to Orange, where I'll be at Book Carnival at 2 with um, my friend Carl Vondero, and he'll be uh, talking about his uh, debut. Oh, novel, my God. Which is a very good he debut. Has a great. Murdabilia. He has a great. Yes. Oh, yeah, that book was it's great. amazing. It's good. It's creepy. It's really good. He's a really good writer. Yeah. He's in my writer's group. And then I'm taking, because December's a weird time to be touring and book. You know, after the first week, uh, most bookstores – oh, actually, on Tuesday the 10th, we'll be in uh, – Carl and I also will be in um, Poison Pen, and then on a hiatus until early January, and then I'm doing uh, – I'm doing – on the 7th, I think, I'm doing um, Bromans in Pasadena, going up and doing Chaucer's in Santa Barbara. This book takes place in Santa Barbara, so I'm really stoked about that, me and Chaucer's in Santa Barbara. And then on that Friday, the 11th, I think 10th or 11th, I'll be at uh, Murder by the Book in Houston. The next day, I'll be at uh, Book People in Austin. And then <laughs> the next the Sunday, I'm flying back to San Diego where I'm supposed to interview uh, Lee Goldberg at Mysterious Galaxy, which, as people may know, could be up in the air. And then um, right. I got a couple of library events after that. Boy, that's so, heartbreaking, um, too. Too. Uh, too. I, I hope someone it's not, buys it's that not a, There's still hope. There's hope. Let's just say there's hope. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing a pretty extensive um, little book tour this time. Um, I wish you'd come out east and, you know, do some touring out here. I'd be glad to take you at all the bookstores. And uh, when it's winter every place else in the world, except for California and Florida, it's the time when all our snowbirds are here and there are big writer groups, you know, writer book clubs and things like that, reader book clubs. So one of these days you'll have to think about coming out this way. Um, I want to. Well, just I am. Kinda... I am thinking about that, so I may take you up on that very soon. Good. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to okay. show you around. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of really great stores, and um, as a matter of fact, I, I like doing live broadcasts. You know, from from stores too, and getting mm. all the all the the patrons on on the radio too. Uh, it's a lot of fun to have that happen, and they ask some really. Yeah intuitive questions kids ask a lot of really great questions too hey i'm kind of off the book subject but on other books uh tell us about your show and how are you liking it uh crime corner with matt coyle who are who did you interview this month or who will you interview this month and who's coming up uh well i'm coming up next friday uh, my friend jeff dotset who's a san diego uh, sports radio voice who um i kind of I heard him talk about uh, mystery. I was, he was talking about um, uh, Don Winslow on one of his uh, broadcasts a couple, five or six years ago, four or five years uh-huh. ago. And I said, I said, uh, I emailed him, and, and he became a, a huge supporter of me. So I invited him on to interview me on the 10th. No, what is that? The 13th. And then um, I'm, I, I owe Naomi Hirahara. We were going to try to get it done in November, and then I just had to finish this book. So I had to stop everything, the book I just turned in. Uh, so I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. I hope to have Naomi on in um, before the before the holidays. Uh, coming up in the following month, the next few months, I'm gonna have. I know I'm gonna have uh, David Putnam 
is going to be on. I, I want to have Joe Ide on. He's got a new book coming out in January, I think. I know. Um, I know. I have him lined up yeah. for two shows already. Yeah, I've, the, the book is high five. It's great. It's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. I haven't I, – I didn't get an arc or anything, so I'll, I'll just buy the I'll, book. But, uh, I'll – no, no, I'll send you the – I'll have you the, the publicist. She just wrote me today about it, so I'll hook you up with her, no problem. Yeah, and, um, yeah I definitely want to have Joe yeah. on. He's a smart guy. He's so much fun. He's so much fun yeah. to talk to. I really like him a lot. So, um, you know, I have all of his books. As a matter of fact, I'm looking up on a higher shelf in my uh, place, and I have his books lined up there because it's such a great – series um you know really really interesting uh, unusual character um matt tell everyone where they can find you on the web and in social media please i just hope you keep my books on the low shelf so you can always get get them within reach yours um, are right in front of me on the main bookcase right in the living room we're all together uh, actually, I do owe you a signed copy, as you reminded me, of, of Lost Tomorrow's. I will, you can find me on Facebook, Matt Coyle, um, and you'll see my dog, Angus, doing couch yoga quite a bit. I do have a new um, author page, uh, Matt Coyle author. I'm starting to do that. Um, it's I really a nice-looking page. Sort of. Well, I got it's the greatest a- uh, webmaster, uh, um, Maddie Madeira from Zuni, who's the best, as everybody knows. Um, Zuni is great, yeah. Uh, I'm on Instagram, uh, mcoil 44 I think, and Twitter, at coilm. I can sort of retweet stuff. <laughs> I don't do a whole lot on Twitter, but I'm trying to. So the website is mattcoilbooks.com. Oh, Matt Coyle Books. Yeah. And if you want, listeners, if you want to know where Matt is for his book signings, you can go to the events page. And even though he did not list this interview on his events, I'll let it go. But you'll also, someplace under media is his podcast link as well. So you can um, also listen to his, um, listen to his podcast. It's really excellent. A lot of fun. He actually didn't have anyone to talk to one night. So he called me and interviewed me. Which is no, probably the most boring true. show ever. <laughs> that is, I actually, I asked you to be on. I just, I didn't call you out of the blue. I said, no. I set it up for you to be on, and it was a good I interview. Know. Um, Thank but I you. do appreciate the dig. I do appreciate the dig you stuck on me about where is the uh, the podcast listed on my website. Thank you for That's, that. Yes, but now I found <laughs> it. I had to go looking in every nook and cranny, but I found it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, this is Matt Coyle. The new book is called Lost Tomorrows. It's highly, highly recommended. I think it's his best book yet. And um, I'm looking forward to more of the Rick Cahill series. Um, Matt, thanks so much for being with me. If I don't talk to you before, happy holidays and have fun on your book tour. Um, I'm so happy that you came on the show tonight. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to be on your show, Pam. And happy holidays to you as well. Thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for being with me. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.